Well, hello, hello. Welcome to the Health Detective Podcast, a show dedicated to uncovering health truths for your body, mind, and soul. I'm your host, Dr. Lauren, former TV news journalist on health detective and functional medicine expert by way of my own 25 plus years of clinical and personal experience in solving health mysteries in order to help people just like you take their health back into their own hands. On this show, we're all about quieting the noise in the health, food, and wellness world. And you'll eavesdrop on real talk topics and conversations with both myself and a variety of interesting guests who are all health detectives in their own unique way. If you're liking the show, please don't hesitate to leave a review. I absolutely love hearing from you and it helps us get the word out to other health detectives just like you. And if you need anything whatsoever, you have a podcast idea or you need help taking your own health back in your own hands, you can find me over at my website, drlauren.com. That's D-R-L-A-U-R-Y-N.com. Absolutely love hearing from you over there. All right, without further ado, let's get to the show. Well, Dr. Amy, so excited to have you in the house today to talk about wild, wild west of thyroid and really the nuances once one has perhaps been diagnosed with thyroid hypothyroidism and they're doing all the things, but not improving. Maybe some of the key themes that you're seeing in your practice since you're an expert in this area. But before we dive into that, I'd love if you could just share a little bit about your own background and what got you doing this work you're doing in the world. Right. So, you know, all of us in this space, it's all a pain to purpose story. It's that whole whatever we went through and the struggles we went through leads us into what we specialize in. So, I was competing in fitness figure competitions. I was doing fitness modeling. This is way back in my 20s. And I'd done it so many times. I knew how my body was supposed to respond. I knew I was supposed to lose weight and this, do this diet, go to the gym twice a day. This is what happens to your body. And there was one show in particular I was getting ready for and my body was actually putting on weight, which just physiologically, biologically, should not happen. Even if you don't believe in calories in, calories out, which I don't, it should not have been happening. So I knew something was wrong with my body. I'm a huge advocate that you know when something is wrong with your body, you know. So I went to different doctors. All of them told me I was air quote normal. Everything's fine. Some of them told me to eat less and exercise more, which is crazy because I was already eating minimal, not starving, but I was eating that bodybuilding type of diet, that clean eating type of diet and going to the gym twice a day. So I couldn't exercise anymore. And I still was gaining weight, really becoming fatigued and losing my hair. So by the seventh doctor, I finally got diagnosed and I was all excited, right? You have a diagnosis, you got a pill, things are going to change. My life is going to change. And it didn't. Because I was put on Levo Synthroid T4, as many of you are probably on right now, and it was not working. And this was back in the day. I always laugh. I joke about this when I tell this story. I think it was back in the day of like gateway computers, you know, where there were like big boxes. I'm pretty sure I looked this up on the internet. If not, I was in the library with the microfiche. (laughs) (laughs) So it's dating me, isn't it? And then... I go to my doctor who diagnosed me and I said, you know, there's this research here. There's this T3 thing that supposedly works really, really well. Can we do that? Can we add this in somehow? She goes, no, I don't do that. And I don't test for it. I go, well, I'm going to find somebody who does. And I kept hearing the name of this functional doc. And I finally went 
He totally changed my life, became my mentor, gave me my life back, fixed my thyroid, looked at all the hormonal things that were going on, everything that I do with patients now. And that changed the trajectory of my career. I said, if this is me, like if I am frustrated and I'm at least in the fitness industry, I knew nutrition, I knew fitness, I knew how to take care of myself and my body was going haywire. If this is happening to me, what the hell's happening to other women out there, other people out there, but it mainly hits women. So that's why I went the functional medicine route. I specialized in treating thyroid conditions and that's how I got here being able to help other people with what I went through. Well, a hundred percent. I love how, yeah, we're healed and then help others like heal others and heal as well. And so thank you for sharing your story. And I just love to your background. I relate to that so much of just kind of doing all the things like literally like being health aware and maybe even to the nth degree of like health obsessed <laughs> and yet are feeling like the body's working against you when you're really trying to work with it. Are we so we think maybe we're trying to work with it. Looking back, I'm like, I was really working against it too. But I know that's a lot of the population that you see too, is like women doing all the things and yet not feeling better. And can you explain some of the mechanisms or why that would be the case? And when we say all the things, like maybe you're following a clean diet, you're working out maybe multiple times a day working out, and you may have already been diagnosed with a thyroid issue and be treating the thyroid. Like it's something that's on your radar. At least you've listened to podcasts about it. You've read books about it. So you're thinking thyroid maybe the issue, maybe self-medicating with supplements at home too, thyroid related supplements and really trying to help your body. So like, why are we still not feeling better? So there's a couple pieces to that answer. First of all, if you do have a thyroid problem right now, and let's say you're resonating with my story of saying, oh, well, well, yeah, you know what? I'm on T4 only. And I thought this is just as good as it was going to get. This is it. Because even my doctor said, you're going to have to learn to live with it. Hey, you're just getting older. A lot of my women hear that too. And here's the problem. If you're given T4 medication and we're just expecting that T4 to do magic, that is a wrong way of thinking right there. You're going to be set back. You're going to be experiencing hypo symptoms if you die on that hill of, well, I got my T4, it's going to work. Because that's how I was. I gave it five months and it didn't work. A lot of people give it decades and suffer for decades and realize, wait, there's more to this story that we can do. T4 is the inactive thyroid hormone. T4 has to convert over to T3. And I think that's important to lay the groundwork for, for anything else that we talk about today. T4 is inactive. Your cells, every single cell on your body, every single cell has a receptor site on it for T3. That's the active thyroid hormone. So what has to happen is T4 has to go through a conversion process and has to convert over to free T3. And that's one of the tests that we look at on your thyroid panel if you're working with a functional practitioner. If you're working with a conventional practitioner, you may have never seen free T3 ever, ever, ever in your life on a panel. But that is one very, very important test that we need to look at to see how you're doing in your treatment and why you're feeling the way you're feeling. So that's one component is getting that full thyroid panel checked. And then the other component is looking at all the other things that go along with thyroid, all the other things that can get in the way of T4 to T3 conversion, but that can also mimic those thyroid symptoms or just make the thyroid worse. So high insulin levels, estrogen dominance, 
decreased testosterone, imbalance in, in nutrient status, like low mag, low zinc, low vitamin D, which I see a ton of. So there's all the other, other factors over here that we have to look at to really get the full picture of you as a person and your health. So yes, I always say you're more than just a lab value, but we want to see your labs. We want to see your labs. And then we want to go ask those four important words. How do you feel? Which you never hear from conventional medicine. How do you feel, Susie? Well, you know what, doc? I'm gaining weight. I can't lose no matter what I do. My hair's falling out. I'm constipated. I'm anxious. I'm depressed. I can't sleep. I can't poop. What's going on? Oh, well, your numbers look fine. No, you can't accept that. We have to pair that up. We have to go, well, this person is really dealing with a lot of stuff. So let's look at all of the labs. Let's take some time and see, okay, is there an H or an L next to all of those labs, high or low, or is it red? But even if it's not, let's paint that picture. Let's go, you know what? This isn't flagged, but damn, that is low. And that might be contributing to Susie's symptoms over here. And then if we pair this lab with that lab, we go, wow, high insulin and low free T3, that's a problem. Of course, that's going to cause weight gain. Susie over here is complaining of weight gain and the inability to lose weight. Let's pair that together. That was a very long answer to a short Great. question. No, that I mean, it is so true though. And a big reason why... And it goes misdiagnosed or you can be feeling not better despite doing all the things. And then kind of like knowing where to start, like you said, like sometimes the patterns that we'll see in other labs and like doing comprehensive, not only blood work, but also things like microbiome type of testing. We can see if there's any gut imbalances. Sometimes there is chronic infections for folks going on. Or in my case, there was like chronic mold exposure, seeing the whole picture is really what helps you and your clinician piece things apart. And for those listening where not going alone is not recommended. And I think perhaps you could vouch and I know I can vouch as like in my own healing from my thyroid issues, it was like not something I did on my own. There was definitely people I consulted with and there was people that guided me along my journey and the facets. Absolutely. A hundred percent. I mean, coaches need coaches. Mm -hmm. I always say that. I would never try to figure out my own labs. I like looking at my own labs. But if I really had a problem, if I wasn't feeling well, I would not rely on my own knowledge. I would go to probably my mentor because yeah. I have done that. Like, what is this? Right. And then he'll look at it. He'll tell me what I would easily tell a patient. But you can't think for yourself. You're going to overthink it. You're going to go to Dr. Google. You're going to start believing everything that you see on the Facebook forums or <laughs> groups. You're going to buy a ton of supplements that don't work, you know, and you're going to do all those things, throwing darts and crossing your fingers that you find an answer when it really is as easy as working with someone who knows what they're doing with your condition and can look at all the things and put the puzzle together. Guarantee you, Lauren, I mean, there's no way a conventional doctor even thought of mold. Mm -hmm. Like mold didn't even cross his mind in anything that could be going on with you. That really takes an out of the box functional, integrative, naturopathic thinker. Yeah, well, and I was in a ER with a, in a hospital bed having an asthma attack that I thought was a heart attack and something in my brain at that point flickered mold. And then that was at the end of, you know, like an 18-month journey of like getting to that point of just no more, <laughs> couldn't handle it. But the last stone I turned over in that scenario, 
I know we were talking about too, before we, we went on the air, it's like hormone imbalances being a big underlying issue. And uh, that thyroid is a hormone, but there's other hormones as well that you see clinically. You were talking about, I think, higher estrogens and lower T is what you see. Uh, lower testosterone, which as women in particular, we don't hear that word a lot unless we're talking about PCOS, which a lot of times folks are looking or thinking like high androgens, high testosterone. Talk a little bit about testosterone first. Like what is the importance of it? And then this theme of seeing it low, like why does that happen? Yeah. I love testosterone in women and I'm very passionate about it because it's often the forgotten hormone. When you go to the doctor... And you go, hey, doc, can I have a, and you're a female, and you go, can I have a hormone panel? You will get, and literally this happened to me, even with a friend of mine who's a doctor. Mm -hmm. So I can laugh about it. I'm like, oh God, this really happened. (laughs) It happened. So I walk out of there with estrogen, LH, luteinizing hormone, FSH, follicle stimulating hormone. And that's it. And somehow along the way, we forgot that women also have progesterone, which is oftentimes low, like in the menopausal low, even in 30-year-olds. And then we have testosterone. And we think of testosterone, conventional medicine thinks of testosterone as a male hormone. It is a male hormone, but we need it too. Females need it. And what it's important for, fat burning, motivation, strength, drive, you know, just that feeling of, I am going to get shit done today. Mm-hmm. Sorry. I don't know if I'm allowed to say that. Oh, I no, I love that. that. You're fine. <laughs> you know, it's just that like, yes, let's do it. And as women, we are multitaskers anyways. So many of your listeners are moms, business owners, employees, they're running the household, they're cleaning the house, they're taking the kids to soccer and, that, and to hockey, and they got friends to deal with too. I mean, multitasking everywhere. So you need that testosterone to get it all done. And then there is the libido part two. So that is a key component in males and females as to whether or not you have a sex drive. So we need proper amounts of testosterone for that. Usually with women that's last on their list, they would write, you know, you ask a woman, she's like, can you give me the fat burning, the motivation, the kick-ass, you know, attitude, the strength in the gym, and then I'll take the libido as like a bonus, but I mean, testosterone is important for all of that. And it also is important for thyroid function. So we know studies are out that low testosterone levels can actually trigger Hashimoto's. Now Hashimoto's is the autoimmune form of hypothyroidism. That's where your immune system gets confused and your little soldiers go out and they attack your thyroid gland because they think it's an invader. They're just confused. And that's what autoimmune is. It's our body turning on itself out of confusion, thinking that whatever it is, thyroid for Hashimoto's, joints for rheumatoid arthritis, small intestine for celiac, it thinks that there's an invader. And so they go out and they destroy it. So with Hashimoto's, we know that that switch can flip on for autoimmune when testosterone levels are low in males or females. Right. Very, very, very important hormone. And then, yes, you, we do want to look for estrogen dominance. We don't, listen, ladies, estrogen is very important in the right amounts. We want it perfect. And we want that balance of estrogen to progesterone, like a nice one to 10, maybe one to 20 ratio. If estrogen is above that, then you're in an estrogen dominant state. Even though it's not flag high on your labs, you have to look at it in relation to progesterone. 
So I'll give you an example. I could have a 35-year-old patient, not anywhere near perimenopause or menopause, still cycling, and her progesterone can literally say less than 0.3, which is menopausal. It's post-menopausal level. But her estrogen could be, let's say, 250. And if you look at the different phases of the cycle, technically she's normal, quote unquote. But when you do the ratio of progesterone to estrogen, she is estrogen dominant. And then when you pair that up with her symptoms, water retention, weight gain, moodiness, migraines, all of that, then that is an estrogen dominant state. So we have to look at all of the sex hormones to really get that full picture of what those are doing too. All relative and super common in our modern day world, just thanks to so many xenoestrogens in our environment. Definitely. Talk a little bit about the toxicity of both our food sources and environmental triggers for hypothyroidism, as well as just hormone imbalances. You nailed it. We have a lot of xenoestrogens in our environment, meaning fake. So when we have a receptor site for estrogen, a fake estrogen that really looks like estrogen can come on in and attach to that receptor. Now, the fake estrogen is going to be wreaking havoc on your body. It's not going to act like normal estrogen. It's going to cause that estrogen dominant state of weight gain and water retention, everything that we just talked about. So with that, with the xenoestrogens, we can go on top of that. We can say all just the toxic burden, the load that we have from BPAs, which is a xenoestrogen, phthalates and parabens. And I mean, just on and on and on and on and on. I just did a podcast the other day from my own that where I was reading a study in the past 30 years, our toxic exposure has increased to where we are being exposed to 80,000 toxins per day, 80,000 different chemicals Mm -hmm. per day. That's insane. And then I heard something, oh, this was a while ago and you might be able to clarify the exact number, but like before a woman even leaves her house, you know, when she's getting ready and putting on makeup and the lotion, the bath and body works and (laughs) That she's actually exposed to, it's, it's some astronomical Like 126, amount. I think, in the first okay. like, few hours of waking. <laughs> Before you even leave her house. Yeah. Right. right. Yeah. And that's not including the air that you're breathing and if you have a Glade plug-in. And so that toxic burden puts such a stressor on the body that it only has one reaction and that's inflammation. And I'm not talking the inflammation that you see if you, you know, hurt your elbow or get a burn. It's this inside, full body, systemic inflammation. And when our bodies are in that state, nothing works. I always give the example of, of having a rash. Like, let's say you have this really bad rash and it's like all over your body. Are you going to want to go out and have fun? No. Are you going to want to get dressed? Ugh, no, because when you put your clothes on, you're all itchy. Are you going to want to take a shower? Ah, no, because it, it burns when I shower. That's an inflamed state on the outside. Now flip that inside. Do you think that your thyroid is going to work well when you're inflamed? Do you think your body is going to digest well when you're inflamed? Do you think your hormones are going to be in balance when you are inflamed? Absolutely not. So we have to check all the things, all the things. 
checkbox, 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 all the things, and really look at what is causing that inflammation. Is it high estrogen? Is it low testosterone? Is it high insulin? Is it that your thyroid is just all jacked up and you're in an autoimmune state from that toxic burden that you've been exposing yourself to for decades? Mm-hmm. Yeah. And that's where the uniqueness and perhaps the reason why roadblocks again happen with thyroid treatment is it's not just taking a pill for an ill or just a thyroid medication to improve your thyroid function or even following a specific diet. Sometimes actually diets can be more dysbiotic inducing in nature, like disruptive to the gut. Yeah. As you talk about that inflammation too, great analogy. And something that I've been using in clinical practice a little bit more is like supporting mitochondria earlier on. So like oxidative stress that's created from this inflammation in the body and just finding at like a tissue and cellular level, like your mitochondria are really what are the foundations of all cells and all hormones and all tissues. And so if mitochondria being like the ATP, the energy of your cells and of your tissues and of your body are depleted or constantly just like stressed out, then the hormone balance is just not going to be there. It's not. Yeah. It's not. And you can always relate it back to what you experience in daily life. So that's why I use analogy so much so people can actually go, oh yeah, that makes sense. I mean, when you're talking about the mitochondria, I mean, think about running a large corporation, you know? So if Amazon had a bunch of workers, they were all sick and they like to lay around and do nothing. They had headaches all day and they had upsets and they just didn't feel good. You think Amazon is going to be a powerhouse company? No. Same thing with your mitochondria. If your mitochondria are messed up, toxic, inflamed, that cell is not going to work. And then we can go outside the cell and go, okay, remember the cells have receptor sites on it for T3. That T3 runs the show, gives you a metabolism, grows your hair, gives you energy, allows you to go to the bathroom every day, improves your mood. What if you're one big inflammatory ball, your mitochondria aren't working right? The company is not working right. There is no way that T3 can get to the cell because the whole company is a mess. You can't even find the Amazon building because nobody even knows where it is. Everybody's a mess. All the employees are messed up. They're all sick. The company's not running well. That's your mitochondria. That's the powerhouse of your body. Right. And nothing is going to work. I love mitochondrial support. I love that Mm -hmm. you brought that up because it's so, it's kind of the, again, it's not talked about enough. Yeah. We forget about it. We We don't give it enough love. It's not talked about enough. Yeah. The missing, one of the missing of many, but, and also just like, you know, the stress connection with, oxidative stress in the body and inflammation in the body and not being both perceived stress mentally as well as internally, um, just physiologically. So under sleeping, over training, under eating, which I see a lot more actually is the under eating than overeating. Yeah, would love, I mean, even from your own background in the clean eating, I definitely was down that fitness path of like bikini body, whatever, competing and following all my fitness magazines to a T of like what they prescribe diet wise. So we'd love to know kind of like what shifts did you make mentally and physically like in your relationship with food and your body as well to heal? Going back 20 some years, as you know, doing that kind of extreme, extreme anything, you know, extreme dieting, extreme working out, it does create almost a hyper-focus slash body dysmorphia slash eating disorder that has its own terminology. I don't even know what you would call it. Mm -hmm. And it really takes time and just love and caring on your body to balance that out. So it did take years. I mean, I look back at my twenties and I was on a up and down roller coaster 
I mean, I would gain 20, you know, lose 30, gain 30, lose 40. I mean, it was just up and down. And that was even before my thyroid problem. So that kind of extreme up and down is just not good for your body. You have to break out of it sometimes with, you know, help from a therapist to kind of shift your mindset. Sometimes it's just a process of realizing that you don't have to eat 20 cookies. They're going to be there for a treat if you want it next week. You don't have to binge and then starve. You don't have to kill yourself at the gym because you missed two days because you were sick. I mean, it's just kind of, I don't know whether it's maturing, growing up, realizing, improving the way I took care of my body. I really don't know what the key was, but I can look back and see it was a, just a slow progression, progression to where now I'm just, I'm steady. You know, I'm a woman, I'll fluctuate two, five pounds, whatever. You know, if I go on vacation, yeah, I'm coming back a couple pounds heavier, but I'm not coming back 20 pounds heavier like I used to. And then getting all stressed out and depressed because I blew my diet. Now I have to starve myself. It's more like, hey, I went on vacation. I enjoyed it. Now I'm going to go back to the way I normally eat and I'll be fine. Yeah. Just that balance really in our lives reflects in our body, I think too. Like the way mentally and physically, the way we exude balance and practice that. 100%. Yep. Well, Dr. Amy, this has just been a great enlightening conversation. I know for a lot of folks out there and where can people find out more about you and the work you're doing in the world? Yeah, absolutely. So my website is dramyhorneman.com. And on there, if anyone's interested in working one-on-one with me, so I have a one-on-one program, I have a group program, they can schedule a free discovery call. We can go over all of that, make sure that we're fit to work together I really like people that are serious about their health, that really want to get better, that have gone through the misdiagnoses and the mistreatments and they're frustrated and they're just, they're ready. They're ready to change. And then of course, just to get to know me better, you can listen to my podcast, which is the Thyroid Fixer podcast. And that's all on all podcast platforms. So you can just search that binge a little bit, subscribe. And then that way you'll get to know me a little bit more. You'll hear me talk in depth about all things thyroid and hormone and insulin and everything that has to do with it. It's so hard to pack it into one message, one show. So that's a good way to kind of listen to it all and really absorb the information. Yeah. Take it in in bites too. Well, and something I always like to know, I'm a lifelong student. I'm sure you are as well. And just as health detectives, like what is something cool you've learned or uncovered lately yourself or like a light bulb epiphany you've had as a health detective? Yeah. So it's interesting how... We know things and can look at other people's labs and we go, okay, there's that Epstein-Barr virus. Everybody has it. We know that 90% of people have it. Huge cause of Hashimoto's. We know that. But then sometimes we forget to test ourselves. So just last December, I'm like, you know, I really should get an Epstein-Barr and like a Lyme panel and tick-borne illness panel just for shits and giggles to see where I'm at. Sure. And I'm like, oh, there it is. <laughs> There's the EDV. Yeah. There it is. So that was, it was, I love it when things happen to me that I can then pass on to my patients. So that wasn't a big, a big thing. I'm sure if I dug deep, I could think of another story that I was like, well, I'm really glad that happened to me, even though it sucked. Now I can help other people not go through that. But the EBV thing was just interesting. I'm like, I've never tested that. We never tested that. Why didn't we test that? And here it is. I have it. It's dormant. It's not yeah. active. It's dormant. But it's just knowledge. Knowledge is power. So that that's kind of one aha moment that I had. 
I know that whole yeah virus land is a whole rabbit hole too. It's just, it's interesting when you're like, huh, it makes sense of like why I felt that way when back when. Uh, and then what is one like chronic wellness hack you've been into lately? Like one thing you've been nerding out to uplevel your own health. Okay, so GHKCU is my new thing. I did some research on it. It's a peptide. Turns out it's been around since 1973. So it is powerful for the skin, for collagen production, for hair growth, because I have a lot of patients that lose their hair with hypothyroidism and Hashimoto's. Hair growth, so it comes in in cream form, serum form for your hair and injectable as in, in, you know, in the peptide world, it does come in injectable form too. And when I started really digging into the research on it, I was completely blown away at all the beneficial effects it has. Now, of course, since it's a peptide, we can't put it in a drug. We can't prescribe it like we can Retin-A. We can't prescribe it like we can Propecia for your hair. But it's as powerful, if not more, and less side effects. So that I've been totally geeking out on. And then when you combine that with red light therapy, because I love red light therapy, it's just like a dual powerhouse. So those wow. two biohacks have been my latest geek out thing. That's lately. so fun. And I've never heard of that. So that's really helpful, helpful insight. Mm-hmm. Oh, Look well. it up and it will blow your mind. Just go to PubMed. Boom. <laughs> G-H-K-C-U. Dude, we could have some PubMed parties. I sometimes I go on rabbit holes down that. <laughs> so, same, same. Yep. Better than Netflix. Well, thanks so much, Dr. Amy. We'll definitely be keeping up with your work. My pleasure. Thanks for having me on. 